Father, we come to you in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. We come by faith. We know, God, that you know each and every one of our hearts, Father. You know our minds, our souls, our spirit. You know where we came from and where we're going. We ask you, Holy Spirit, that you will just continue to work in each and every one of us, Lord God, to bring us to that place where we will know you without a doubt and trust in you in every situation. Father, we want to trust you with all our hearts. We love you, we worship you, we adore you, we give you all the glory, all the honor, and all the praise goes to you. Father, we pray that you will bless the praise and worship team, that you bless our speaker, Pastor Adam, that our hearts will be burning, Lord, with your word, enriched in our hearts. Father, we thank you. We ask that you have your way in each of our lives. And if there's anyone that is struggling with anything, you will deliver them by the power of your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Thank you. Hallelujah. Jésus merveilleux nom. The wonderful name of Jesus. Wonderful name of Jesus. <laughs>
Amen. Qu'est-ce qui peut me laver de mes péchés? Rien que le sang.
Oh, that's a good one. Paul Wilbur. I enter the holy of holies. I enter through the blood of the Amen. 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 Amen.
Malachi, the fourth chapter. Uh, this is in the English Bible, not in the Hebrew Bible, but in the English Bible. It's the last book of the Old Testament. It's arranged differently in the Hebrew Bible. That's another story. So Malachi, the fourth chapter. Malachi chapter 4, last book of the Old Testament. So just, you can find it pretty easily. Malachi chapter 4. And uh, I want to talk to you tonight about a message, and I've preached this message a number of times, uh, called The Days of Elijah. How many of you have ever sung the song before, These Are the Days of Elijah? How many of you understood what you were actually singing? Okay, Daniel Bavi, all right, that's good. But tonight, we're going to understand what are the days of Elijah? And what does the scripture mean when it speaks about this? And so from today, whenever you sing this song again, you are going to sing it with a totally different perspective. But you know, these truly are the days of Elijah. And uh, I want to share just a little testimony uh, about how the story of Elijah affected my life. Now, I'm not saying this to boast about myself on the total contrary. As a matter of fact, originally I didn't want to be in the ministry, as you guys know. Uh, but the Lord called me out of, you know, ho- pursuing a professional hockey career to be in the ministry, which I'm very grateful for because at least now I, my life has purpose and eternal value rather than doing something that's vain and that ultimately doesn't lead anywhere. Uh, But I remember when I was 17 years old, the Lord was confirming my calling into ministry because it takes a lot to leave behind something that you've invested so much in uh, to pursue the call of God. It is a sacrifice. In fact, Jesus even said, if anyone wants to be my disciple, he must take up his cross, deny himself and follow after me. And in Luke chapter 9, Verse 62, he says, anyone who puts his hand to the plow and looks backward is not fit for the kingdom of God. So it is a sacrificial thing uh, to follow the Lord. But how many of you know that there's always a greater reward in the end? And And actually, you're not losing anything. It's like an investment. When you invest, there's an initial price up front, but it comes back to you much greater assuming obviously it's a good investment with God it's you can't lose with him so there's an initial price to pay but obviously it comes back pressed down shaken together and running over and so during this season of my life God was really confirming his call to me that I'm supposed to be preaching the gospel and what happened was I was going through the entire Bible from Genesis to Revelation And by God's grace, I have commentary, personal handwritten commentary on every single verse in the Bible today, by the grace of God. But when I was going through the book of 1 Kings, which is the story of Elijah, I remember I landed on 1 Kings chapter number 18. So this is the story of Elijah. And what happened was there was a great man of God who's with the Lord now. His name is Morris Cerullo. Has anyone ever heard of Morris Cerullo before? Yeah. Mighty, mighty man of God. And for whatever reason, I had never heard about him before, but I found out that he was coming to minister in Ottawa. I didn't know much about him other than a good report, but never heard him preach, never had seen him minister, but I heard he was going to Ottawa and I wanted to go there to receive impartation. Okay, And for those of you who don't know Morris Cirillo's ministry, by God's grace, he's led tens of millions of people to Christ 
all over the world in countries that used to be close to the gospel. And I can spend hours just sharing testimonies from his ministry. But long story short, I wanted to go to Ottawa to receive impartation from Morris Cirillo. But for whatever reason, I couldn't find a ride to get there. I asked friends, I knocked on people's doors. I really pursued people to take me to Ottawa to go to Morris's meeting to receive impartation. And nobody could take me. And so I was so disappointed. Now keep in mind, this is at the same time that I'm studying the life of Elijah. And so I'm in 1 Kings chapter 18. And so the coming Saturday, when Morris was supposed to be in Ottawa, I go to church that morning, which is House of David. I wasn't the pastor yet. I was 17 years old. And I go to church that morning, and I'm a little disappointed because I would have liked to be in that meeting. And uh, all of a sudden, there's a woman in our congregation. Her name is Jocelyn. You guys have met Jocelyn before. Okay, she still does translation for us. Jocelyn comes and she says, you know, Adam, I was thinking about you this morning. And there is a gift that I would like to give you. Keep in mind, watch this. She doesn't know Morris Cerullo is in Ottawa. She doesn't know what I'm reading in the Bible. And she gives me a book called The Elijah Legacy by Morris Cerullo. Wow. The, same, the same day that Morris Cerullo was in Ottawa that I wanted to go. And I landed on the story of Elijah in my studies. And she brings me a book written by him on Elijah. Can you imagine? How many of you know there's a living God who knows your name, who knows what's going on? And you know that He has a calling on your life and He has a plan and a purpose for you. Can you say amen? Amen. And so I said, Lord, that's a sign. I think I know what I'm supposed to be doing. Thank you, Lord. But tonight we're going to understand the days of Elijah. How many of you are ready for that? All right. So Malachi chapter 4, if you haven't found it by now, there's no hope for you. I'm sorry. I know that's not very encouraging, but no, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. There's always hope with them. Malachi chapter 4. Let's read. Uh, uh, let's start in verse 3 for the sake of time. It says, You will tread the wicked, for they will be ashes under the soles of your feet. For the day which I'm preparing, says the Lord of hosts. Remember the law of Moses, my servant. Even the statutes and ordinances which I commanded him in Horeb for all of Israel. Verse 5, the famous verse. Behold, I'm going to send you Elijah, the prophet, before the coming of the great and terrible day of the Lord. And he will restore the hearts of the fathers to the children and the hearts of the children to the fathers so that I will not come and smite the land with a curse. Let's take a moment and pray here. Father, Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, in the mighty and glorious name of Jesus, we just thank you for your goodness and for your mercy. And Lord, we want to thank you for the word of God, which is our inheritance. As your word says, giving heed to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and also to give you an inheritance. Father, let our eyes be open to behold wonders in your word. Thank you for the Spirit of God who searches the deep things of God and reveals them unto us. Father, I thank you that you have hidden these things from the wise of this age and have revealed it unto your children. And your word says it is the glory of God to hide a thing, but it is the glory of kings to search out a secret. 
And so tonight, Father, would you reveal the mysteries of your word unto us. Lord, may we be transformed from glory to glory by the Spirit of the Lord. And Father, as your word says, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Lord, I pray that our faith would increase as we see your hand working in the world today. In the name of Jesus, amen and amen. Why don't you just take about 10 seconds and just lift your hands and just thank the Lord right now that he's about to open your eyes, that he's going to reveal his truth. Come on, just take a few seconds and thank him right now. Thank you for your goodness, Lord. Thank you for your goodness, my God. In the name of Jesus, we've prayed and given thanks. Amen. So, Malachi chapter 4, there's a lot to say about this, but basically verse 5 is where I want to focus on, which says, I'm going to send you Elijah the prophet before the great and terrible day of the Lord. Now, throughout the prophets, we see the term of the day of the Lord come up over and over again. Uh, you see, for instance, in Joel chapter 2, verse number 1, that same chapter that uh, Peter quotes from on the day of Pentecost, when you read, uh, when you read Joel chapter 2, it says, Blow the trumpet in Zion, sound the alarm on my holy mountain, because the day of the Lord is at hand. And throughout the prophets, that term of the day of the Lord is used over and over again. Isaiah 61, the famous passage, it words it a little bit differently. It says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me to preach good news to the poor. You skip down to verse 2, it says, To proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God. So the day of vengeance of our God is the same as the day of the Lord. And so this day of the Lord is a time of judgment. It's a time where God will step into history and intervene and bring justice. So he will save the wicked, but he will also punish the wicked. I'm sorry, save the righteous, excuse me, but he will also punish the wicked. And so uh, the Bible speaks over and over again about this day of the Lord. But here in Malachi chapter 4 verse 5, it says, I will send you Elijah, the prophet, before the great and terrible day of the Lord. And so what happens is when we read the Gospel of Matthew, we see that uh, this was actually something that the disciples were expecting. And so in Matthew chapter 17, after the Mount of Transfiguration experience, the disciples ask Jesus, they say, why do the scribes, why do the scholars say that Elijah must come first? And of course, they're referring to this passage in Malachi chapter 4. Except you know what Jesus says? Truly I tell you, Elijah has already come and they did to him whatever they want and soon the Son of Man will also be given over and he will suffer many things. And it says, then they understood he was talking about John the Baptist. And so here in Malachi chapter 4, when it speaks about sending Elijah before the day, the great and terrible day of the Lord, that was partially fulfilled in the first century. 
Because, follow with me for a little bit, it's going to all make sense, okay? Because what happens is that even in the first century, there was a partial fulfillment of the day of the Lord. Because in the year 70 AD, what happened? The Romans came and they destroyed Jerusalem, destroyed the temple, and sent the Jewish people into exile. And so that was a partial fulfillment of the day of the Lord. And so did God send Elijah before that happened? Yes, he sent John the Baptist in the spirit and power of Elijah. And so very important we understand that when it speaks about God sending Elijah, it's not talking about the actual person. It is talking about the spirit of Elijah. How do we know this? Because in James chapter 5, do you know what it says? It says, Elijah was a man of like passions, just like you and me. In other words, he was an ordinary human being. But what made him special was what? The anointing and the spirit and power that was upon his life. And so it's not the actual person that we're waiting for, but it's the manifestation of that anointing and of that power. And so in 70 AD, before that destruction came, God anointed John the Baptist, who came in the spirit of Elijah to prepare the people's hearts to be saved before that destruction came. That's why Peter, when he preached in Acts chapter 2, verse 40, what did he say? Save yourselves from this wicked and perverse generation. Why? Because judgment was going to come on that generation. And do you know how long a generation is in the Bible? About 40 years. Okay, 40 years is because of the time the Jews were in the wilderness. If you add 40 years to when Jesus came, it takes you to what he, to when Jesus began preaching. You do he started preaching at 30. 30 plus 40 is what? 70, 70 the year that the judgment came. Isn't that something? So God is precise with his timings. But here's the question. Has the day of the Lord officially been fulfilled? No, it has not. Because what happened in Jerusalem was just a picture of what will happen in the nations in the end times. So what does that mean? It means that Malachi's prophecy has not fully been fulfilled yet. It was partially fulfilled in the first century, but it will ultimately be fulfilled at the end of the age. And if you read Revelation chapter 11, you see two witnesses that God will raise up. And when you look at the miracles that they perform, one of them is if anyone tries to attack them, God sends fire and destroys them. Revelation 11. That's exactly what happened in the days of Elijah. And so there is a future element to this prophecy that has yet to be fulfilled. But tonight I want to unpack about how this revelation is actually affecting the world today. You know, when people look at the news, when people see what's going on in the culture, when people see what's going on in politics, it all seems very confusing. But when we understand the mystery of the days of Elijah, you see, because in order for Elijah to manifest, 
It must be as it was in the days of Elijah. And so by understanding what took place then, we actually have a blueprint to everything that is occurring today. But before I even talk about that, it's amazing how even in the ministry of Jesus, we see the days of Elijah being fulfilled. Let me just give you a couple of examples. Uh, how long did Elijah preach for? If you remember, Elijah's ministry took place primarily during a time of famine, right? How long did that period last? Does anybody remember? How long? Three and a half years. Okay. How long did Jesus preach for? Three and a half years. And so Jesus follows the template of Elijah. Elijah raised the dead. Jesus raised the dead. Elijah multiplied pr provision, multiplied bread, multiplied the substance, right? When there was a famine. What did Jesus do? Jesus also did miracles of provision. Another thing too, is that this is something quite shocking is that Elijah was actually rejected by the Jewish people. But he was received by who? Gentiles. What did, Elijah, what did God tell Elijah? I have prepared a widow in Zarephath to feed you. Where is Zarephath? Well, don't GPS it. You won't find anything. But Zarephath is not in the land of Israel. Zarephath is a Gentile nation, part of Syria. And so Elijah was rejected by the Jews. And yet, when he went to this Gentile nation, he was received. And so do you know what Jesus says? In Luke chapter 4, when Jesus is preaching in Nazareth, in his hometown, do you know what he says? There were many widows in Elijah's day. Interesting that Jesus brings up the story of Elijah. Why? Because he's giving us a hint. And so Jesus says there were many widows in Elijah's day in the land of Israel. But to none of them was he sent, but to a widow that was in Zarephath. And when the Jews in the synagogue heard it, it says they picked up stones to stone him. But it wasn't his time. So do you know what Jesus was saying? The same way you rejected Elijah and God prepared a place of refuge for him, in the Gentiles, Jesus was saying, you're going to reject me, but the Gentiles are going to receive me. Amen. All from the story of Elijah. But it gets even better. How many of you are ready for the, the good part? Okay. Yes. You see, Elijah's story has somewhat of an interesting end because Elijah, like very few people, did not experience death. He did not experience death, but actually by the Jordan River, Hold on a second. Where was John the Baptist baptizing people? At the Jordan River. And so at the Jordan River, do you know what happens? This is the place where Elijah passes on the mantle to Elisha. What happens at the Jordan River? John the Baptist passes on the mantle to Jesus when he baptizes him. And you don't want to know something? Jesus, uh, sorry, John the Baptist was actually a priest. Did you know that? His father, what was his father doing? Priest, he was the priest. Remember? That's where the angel told him, you're going to have a son named John. 
And so John the Baptist was actually the priest of Israel. And so you know what happens? At the Jordan River, John passes on his priestly ministry to Jesus. And Jesus is going to fulfill the priestly ministry. Isn't that something? But it's even more than that. So watch this. Elijah's life, when you get toward the end, Elijah ascends into heaven. I think I, I, I think you guys know where this is going. Elijah ascends into heaven, and you know what he does? He drops his mantle on his servant Elisha, and Elisha ends up walking in a double portion of that anointing. And so watch this. There is another who will ascend into heaven. Do you know who I'm talking about? Jesus, what happened with him? He ascended into heaven, except, watch this, he dropped his mantle, except the mantle of Jesus is too big for one person to carry. And so do you know what he did? He ascended into heaven and he dropped the Holy Spirit upon the 120 that were in the upper room. And that anointing, that spirit is still being poured out today. Every time when you receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, you are receiving a piece of the mantle of Jesus and you are empowered to do signs, wonders, and miracles. Hallelujah. And you want to know something? Did Elisha walk in the same anointing as Elijah or even more? More in a double portion, right? What did Jesus say in John 14? The same works that I do, you will do, and even greater. Why? Because we, as the body of Christ, are like Elisha. As the body of Christ, we are walking in a double portion. Not individually, but as the body of Christ, we are walking in a double portion of what Jesus walked in. In the sense that... He has now gone to the Father and passed on His mantle. Isn't that amazing? Hallelujah. So those are just a few nuggets about that. But what about what's happening in the world today? Could the days of Elijah actually give us a blueprint behind what's going on today? So let me, let me give you a little bit of a context here. In 1 Timothy chapter 4, do you know what the Apostle Paul tells us about the end times? He says, The Spirit expressively says that in the last days people will give heed to seducing spirits and to doctrines of demons he explains that in the end times there will be a falling away an apostasy what does the word apostasy mean apple means uh to fall and stasia means your stand So apostasy means to fall away from the original intent, to fall away from your stand, your original being, okay? So here's the mystery. Where did the apostle, where does the Bible say that in the last days, people will give heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of demons? I I remember when I read that verse in, in 1 Timothy, I looked for where it says that. And you know where it says it? Absolutely nowhere. There's actually no verse in the Old Testament that says that. But yet, the Apostle Paul says it. You want to know why? Because Paul understood that the Old Testament is a blueprint for the end times. That's why he says those things that were written were there for our examples. 
And so when we look at the story of Elijah, because Malachi says, I will send Elijah before the day of the Lord, it means that the setting has to be as it was in the days of Elijah. And so that's why Paul is saying the Spirit is clearly telling us that people will give heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of demons. Are you following me so far? Okay, so let's understand what was happening in Elijah's day. Keep in mind, the nation of Israel, it was a nation that was founded upon the Word of God. It was a nation that feared God, that worshipped Him, that served Him. But eventually, this nation that was founded on godliness ended up turning away from faith and instead turned toward paganism. And it begins when a king by the name of Ahab marries a woman who is a pagan by the name of Jezebel. And you see, God warned Israel in the Torah and He said, don't, in Deuteronomy chapter 7, don't marry the pagan women because they will turn your heart away from following me and they will make you serve other gods. And that is exactly what happened. Instead of worshiping the God of Israel, the one true God, they instead begin to worship a deity by the name of Baal. Someone say Baal. Now Baal is a crucial part, a crucial entity to understanding the days of Elijah, but even what is happening right now. And I want you to follow with me very carefully because this is going to explain everything that we are seeing today. Now, in Deuteronomy 32, do you know what the Bible says? That when the nations worshipped the gods, they were actually worshipping, and the Bible uses the word in Hebrew, the Shedim. Someone say Shedim. Now, when the New Testament was written in Greek, they, there's no word for the word Shedim. And so it was translated Daimonia, where we get the word demon from. And so in Deuteronomy 32, it says when people worshipped the gods, they were actually worshipping spirits. They were actually worshipping demonic entities. So what does that mean? It means that behind the god Baal, there were actually spiritual realities to that. Now, do spirits die? Yes or no? no? No. What does that mean? It means that even today, they continue on and operating. Not only that, but when we get to the New Testament, in uh, Matthew chapter 12, we see a term come up for Satan by the name of Beelzebub. What does Beelzebub mean? It means the Lord of the Flies, but it comes from the word Baal. And so Baal is associated with Satan himself. And do you know what the Apostle Paul says? 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 4, that Satan who is the God of this world, of this age, he has blinded the minds of unbelievers. So by understanding the deity of Baal in the Old Testament, you could actually understand what is happening to the culture today, and you can actually see the fingerprints of the enemy. So let me explain to you a couple of things about 
Baal. First of all, the Baal means it means either the Lord or it means master. Okay? So do you know that Baal actually came in different forms? One of the words that's used is the Baalim, which means the many Baals. And so what does Baal mean? It means Lord, it means master. What does that tell us about the end times? It means that in the end times, people will be mastered. People will come under bondages. And what do we see going on in the culture today? We see that people now are more addicted than ever before. And so when you see everything going on with the drugs and all these kinds of things, alcohol, what is that? We, we are seeing a, civiliz a civilization that is being mastered. Why? Because what does Baal mean? It means master. And so it means that the agenda of the enemy is to put people in bondage. And what are we seeing today? We are seeing people being put in different kinds of bondages. Let me just share a couple more things here about Baal. There's actually a lot. Another thing about Baal is that Baal was a god connected to materialism. As a matter of fact, one of the uh, emblems associated with Baal was, was the image of a bull. Okay, the image of a, of a bull. And so what happened was, the, the, the saying was this, if you worship Baal, you'll have prosperity, you'll have abundance, and not need to worry about anything. And so what does that mean? It means if the sign of Baal is in the culture, that people are going to be given over to materialism. That actually getting riches and substance is going to become people's God. And that's why, what did Jesus say? He says in Matthew 6, you cannot serve God and money. money. Why? Because money is the God of this world. And, and money is actually connected to the deity of Baal. Isn't that something? And the sign that was used for Baal was the image of a bull. What's interesting, if you go to the most powerful economies of the world today, which would be, hold on, America and China, okay? Two cultures that are totally different from each other. If you go to the heart of America's economy, which will be New York, Wall Street, they actually have the image of a great bull, okay? Which is an image connected to Baal in the Bible. Now you say, oh, that's just a chance. Well, if you go to China, are, is China, the Chinese government reading the Bible? No. If you go to China, if you go to their main stock market, do you know what you see outside? Again, the image and the statue of a great bull. Why? That's a bunch of bull, no, I'm kidding. So, so the thing is, what is that? These are signs of Baal. Baal turned the heart of the culture away from God by having them spend all their time and energy focused on attaining wealth, which again, you can do it God's way, but when it becomes your main focus, it becomes an idol. Another thing about Baal, again, this is just unpacking what we're seeing today. You know, when somebody would make an idol, do you know what they were doing? They were making their own truth. So you would see when someone would make an idol, the idol would have, example, the body of a human, and yet the, the head of 
Example, a bull or a crocodile, right? So what is the idol maker doing? He is forming his own reality. He is forming his own truth. What are we seeing today in the culture? We are seeing an attack on truth. Where if someone's a man and he says, no, I'm actually a cat, or I'm actually a woman, which, you know, is obviously insane, right? But we're seeing that become mainstream in the culture today, where people form their own truths. Isn't that right? Am I speaking yeah. to the air here? That's exactly what they're doing. <laughs> Carol, that's exactly what they're doing. What is that? That's paganism. That's idolatry. The same way the idol maker would form his own truth. He would create his own reality. What are we seeing today? People creating their own truth. People creating their own reality. And all this is idolatry, right? And there's, there's so much to share about this. Let me, can I share a couple more things yes. about Baal? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let me share something else about Baal. Baal was known as the god of lawlessness. As a matter of fact, the apostle Paul, when he speaks about the Antichrist, you know what he calls him? The spirit of lawlessness. It says in 1 Kings chapter 18 that Baal turned Israel away from the commandments. And so Baal is a god of lawlessness. What are we seeing today? We are seeing lawlessness in the culture. Do you remember when there was that whole movement about defunding the police? Yeah. Remember all that? What is that? That's lawlessness. Mm -hmm. Even today in many places, you call 911, no one shows up. Why? An attack against the law. Not only that, an attack against morality. You look at the Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments, believe it or not, in 1980 were struck down by the U.S. Supreme Court. They actually struck down the Ten Commandments in the Supreme Court. Why? Because Baal, the spirit of Baal, who is who? Satan is a spirit of lawlessness. And that means people will reject the Ten Commandments. People will not honor their father and mother. People will not respect the boundaries of marriage. People steal all these kinds of things. Lawlessness, that is exactly what we are seeing in the culture right now. Let me share something else about Baal. Then we'll get to Elijah. We'll get to the good part. But I'm just kind of unpacking what we're seeing right now. Another thing about Baal is that Baal was a god that was connected to child sacrifice. Are you following me? Yes. Anyone see what was that movie called? Sound of Freedom, right? So what does that mean? An attack on the children. And what did Jesus say? If anyone makes one of these little ones to stumble, it would be better that a millstone was tied around their neck and they were thrown into the depths of the sea. And so we see that there will be an attack on the children. Why? Because Baal was a god of child sacrifice. What do we also see today mainstream? That's the talk of the culture. The issue of abortion. And it's not, it's not about, oh, I was raped or the child has health issues. That makes up like 2% of the cases. Over 95% of abortion cases are not a complicated issue at all. It's people not wanting to bear responsibility. But what people don't know, what people don't realize, is that behind this, there is a spirit behind this movement. 
And I'm going to share something with you right now that's going to blow you away. How many of you want to be blown away right now? Do you know there was a time when this issue was taken to the Supreme Court in the United States of America. Now America is important. Why? Because they're the most powerful nation in the world. And what they do ultimately affects everybody. Wouldn't you agree? And so at the time when this issue was taken to the Supreme Court, it was in 2016, during the presidency of, uh, or excuse me, yeah, right around when President Trump was going to start. Right, right after 2016, actually 2017. Right during the time when President Trump started his presidency. And so this issue of abortion goes to the Supreme Court. Watch this. At the same time as the abortion issue is in the Supreme Court, if you remember, ISIS were active in the Middle East, in the same place where they worshipped the god of Baal. And here's what happened. There was a temple of Baal that was actually in Syria where ISIS were. And in order to preserve this temple of Baal, do you know what they, what they did? They did an excavation and they took pieces from the Arch of Baal in Syria. They brought it to the capital, Washington, D.C. And at the same time, watch this, at the same time when the abortion issue was in the Supreme Court, right outside there was the Arch of Baal. At the exact same time from Syria because of ISIS. From the at the exact same time as this issue was in the Supreme Court, they actually reconstructed the Arch of Baal in Washington, D.C. without even knowing it. What was this? These are the fingerprints of Baal. And so we see that Baal is a, is a piece to understanding the days of a... that have not bowed their knee to Baal and that have not kissed his face. And the Bible says if it had not been for a remnant, we would have been like Sodom and Gomorrah. But you and I are called to be like the 7,000. We are not going to bow to Baal. We are not going to bow to Satan. We are not going to give in to the sin of this culture. Righteousness exalts a nation. And we are called to be the salt and light of this world. We will not compromise. We will stand on the truth of His Word, whether the devil likes it or not. And if you're with me, say hallelujah. Hallelujah. So yes, it's a culture of Baal, but we, the church, are called to be like the 7,000 that did not bow their knee to Baal. Okay, there's another person that is involved with this, and I'm going to share this one, then we'll get to the, the more positive stuff. But remember, Ahab married a woman. What was her name? Jezebel. Jezebel, Jezebel right. So Jezebel is also an important piece. Because what did the Apostle Paul say? He said, in the last days, people will give heed to seducing spirits. Okay, so who, who was Jezebel? Jezebel was a seductress. Now, you know who warned us about this too? Jesus. When Jesus addressed the church of Thyatira, you know what he said? He says, I have something against you. You tolerate that woman called Jezebel. 
That's in Revelation chapter number 2. Revelation chapter 2. You tolerate that woman, Jezebel. Now, when I read that, I was a little bit puzzled. You want to know why? Because Jezebel had been dead at this point for like almost a thousand years. And so why did he say you tolerate Jezebel? Jesus wants us to search the scriptures. He says, look at what Jezebel did. Look at what happened in the days of Elijah. Jesus is pointing us to the days of Elijah. And when you understand what Jezebel did, we can understand what's happening here. And so who was Jezebel? What does the scripture say about her? First of all, she was a woman who was a sorceress. She was involved in witchcraft. What does that mean? It means in the end times, people are going to have a growing fascination of the occult and of witchcraft. What do we see happening right now? That's exactly what is going on with the young people. We see the new age movement, all this kind of stuff rising up. What is that? Spirit of Jezebel. Not only that, Jezebel was a woman who used fear and intimidation against those who opposed her. And so what does the Apostle Paul say? God did not give us the spirit of fear. fear. But what does that mean? It means that there is a spirit of fear that is operating in the world. And so what do we see with the media? Fake news media. What do they try to do? They try to control people using fear. What is that? That is Jezebel. That is exactly what we saw during the pandemic. A spirit of fear. Fear looking to keep people bound. That is Jezebel. Jezebel was obviously connected to sexual immorality. And what do we see today? The culture is immersed in sexual immorality. Not only with strip clubs and all that. Now it's on your telephone. It comes looking for you in this culture today. And so what do we see? We see a culture that is given over to sexual immorality. That is also the spirit of Jezebel. But it goes even further than that. Jezebel worshipped a goddess by the name of Ishtar. And Ishtar, believe it or not, her priests, the priests of Ishtar, which again, when Jezebel came to Israel, she made Israel worship her gods. One of the gods she worshipped, according to 1 Kings, was Ishtar. Do you know what Ishtar's priests did? They were called Kezeru. And you know what they did? They exchanged gender roles. And so do you know what we see going on today? We see drag queens. And the role of the priest, you know what the role of the priest was? To teach. And so what do we see? The drag queens going to public schools trying to teach the kids. Cross-dressing. These were in the days of Elijah. And can I tell you something else that will creep you up? Do you know that there was an emblem that was connected to the goddess of Ishtar? And in Hebrew it's called the Keshet. Someone say Keshet. Do you know what Keshet means? The rainbow. And so the rainbow was connected to this goddess of Ishtar who who, uh, uh, Jezebel was worshipping. And so this is, it, it provides us with an exact blueprint. Understanding Jezebel, understanding Baal, 
This is exactly what is happening to the culture today. But can I tell you something? Whether it's Jezebel, Tinkerbell, or Jingle Bell, we are not going to give in to that. We are going to stand our ground in these last days, and we will not grow cold. We will stay on fire, and we will serve the Lord our God. Happy are the people whose God is the Lord. If the Lord is your God, why don't you give him a hand clap? Thank you, Lord. I'll say one more thing about Jingle Bell. I mean Jezebel. <laughs> one more thing about Jezebel is that you know that she she. Sorry, we're going to commercial. No. One more thing about uh, Jezebel is that she attacked the truth. She wanted to silence the truth. It says in 1 Kings 18 that the prophets were hiding in caves. And you know, it says in Proverbs 28 verse 12, it says, When the wicked rule, the righteous go into hiding. And so what happened in Jezebel's day? She silenced the prophets. What does that mean? It means that when the spirit of Jezebel is there, there will be an attempt to silence the, the truth. Amen. What do we see right now on social media? Yeah. Fact-checking. They try to, hey, Carol, you know it better than anyone else. Yeah. They try to silence you and quiet you. Why? That is the spirit of Jezebel. And they try, it's a spirit that wants to make you ashamed of the truth. Oh, you still believe the Bible in 2023? You're an ancient person. Well, guess what? So be it. Because one plus one was two, 2,000 years ago, as much as it is today. The truth never changes. And so even though they try to make us ashamed for being Christian, the Bible says, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation, saving everyone who believes. We will not be ashamed of the truth in these last days. Because in 2023, there is still only one name given under heaven whereby man must be saved. It is the powerful name. It is the wonderful name. It is the name of Jesus. Someone say hallelujah. Hallelujah. So we will not be quiet. We will not let Jezebel silence us. We will shout it from the mountaintop. And so we see Baal, we see that manifesting. We see the spirit of Jezebel working out in the world as well. But then also there was something about the people of God. Because there were many that didn't worship Baal. But you know what happened? There was compromise. And so if you remember when Elijah faces off with the prophets of Baal, there, there comes this showdown. And when Elijah speaks to the people of God, he says, Why will you waver between two opinions? If the Baal is God, then serve him. But if the Lord is God, then serve him. But make up your mind. And so you know what happened? The culture was lukewarm. And so they were divided in their worship. They were keeping the Sabbath, perhaps. But then at the same time also involved in some of the things that Jezebel and Baal were propagating. You see what I'm saying? And so the people of God were divided in their worship. And when Jesus addresses the church 
of Laodicea, Revelation chapter number 3. He says, I have something against you. He says, you are neither hot and you are neither cold, but you are like lukewarm water. And then he says, you say I am rich. Remember, what was Baal the god of? He was a god of prosperity, but not in a good way. Not the blessing of the Lord that makes a man rich and adds no sorrow. He was, you know, I'll get you rich with plenty of sorrow. He was, I'll get you rich at the cost of leaving the Lord. That was the kind of prosperity Baal was involved in. And so Jesus says to Laodicea, you say I have everything. And I don't need anything. I have plenty of goods. But he says, you don't realize that you are wretched, that you are poor, and that you are blind and naked. Because what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world, but if he loses his soul? Your gold and your silver will not save you in the day of judgment, declares the Lord. But God is raising up a people that are going to be on fire for God. We're not going to have one foot in the world and one foot in the kingdom. We are going to love the Lord our God with all our heart, with all our soul, and with all of our strength. We will lay down our lives as a living sacrifice, and we are going to serve the Lord. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. And so we don't want to be divided in our worship. But you want me to tell you something? It's not too late to come back to God. If you feel like you've compromised, you've allowed things that shouldn't be there, or perhaps your loyalty is divided. Do you know what Elijah did? He rebuilt the altar that was broken down. Twelve stones representing the twelve tribes of Israel. You know what Elijah did? He rebuilt the altar of consecration Amen. and you know what that means if you've been divided if you've compromised it's not too late you can repent and you can rebuild that altar and that's what God is calling you to do you're going to rebuild that altar that has been torn down and you're going to serve the Lord like never before your best days aren't behind you your best days are still ahead of you you will not be overcome by evil but you will overcome evil with good in Jesus' mighty name. I'm going to share something that's really powerful right now. How many of you are ready for that? You want to know something? Even though Baal was manifesting distortion of truth, lawlessness, child sacrifice, even though Jezebel was there with the fear, the immorality, the pride movement, and all that garbage, even though all that was in the days of Elijah, the days of Elijah also point to what is called revival. Amen. Somebody say revival. revival. Because one thing that's amazing about God is that He likes to manifest in the most wicked circumstances. Oh, wow. The Bible says when darkness overtakes the righteous, Psalm 112, when darkness overtakes the righteous, light will come bursting in. And that's what happened in the days of Elijah. As Elijah faces off with the prophets of Baal. You see, in those days there was a famine. Which, by the way, is another revelation. We spoke about this last week when we spoke about Joseph. How many of you were blessed by last week's message? Amen, yeah. right? So in the days of Joseph, what did we read of? Famine. In the days of Elijah, what do we read of? Famine. Famine. Okay, so it's a common thing. Alright? So don't panic when it happens. Someone say, I wish I lived in Bible days. Oh, don't worry about it. That's... <laughs> Enjoy your food for now. 
No, 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 no. There's more to it than that. But in the days of Elijah, there was famine. And Jesus warned that there would be famine. He said in the last days, Matthew 24, there will be famines. But also there's a spiritual famine of the word. Of the word. Amos 8.11. There's a famine in the land of hearing the word of the Lord. Okay, so this is part of the setting of the last days. And what happened was that Elijah began to pray for rain. And the Bible gives us this example in the book of James, chapter number 5, where it says, Elijah was a man of like passions like you and me. But he says he prayed earnestly that it would not rain. Okay, that's a hard thing to pray for. Lord, don't send rain. Let there be famine in Jesus' name. Can you imagine praying that? Lord, let nothing grow from the ground. I mean, you got to be spiritual. you got to be in the spirit to pray that prayer. Don't pray it now. But the point is this. It says Elijah prayed that it wouldn't rain for three and a half years. But then after, he prayed that there would be rain. Why does the Bible give us this example? It's using Elijah to show us something. Also in James 5 verse 7, a few weeks ago I spoke about the reign of the Holy Spirit. Does anyone remember a little bit? The reign of the Holy Spirit. And what does it say? It says that God, the husbandman, is waiting patiently for the precious fruit of the earth until he receives the former and the latter rain. James 5 7. So what does the rain speak about? The rain is prophetic of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. It says in Isaiah 44, I will pour water. Isaiah 44 verse 3. I will pour water upon him who is thirsty. The floods on the dry ground. I will pour out my spirit upon your seed. And my blessing upon your offspring. And so the rain points to the outpouring of the spirit. So what happens in the midst of this wicked culture? Elijah is going to pray for the rain. What does that mean? You and me who are no different than Elijah. You and I, people of like passions, we are called to pray for the reign of God. Amen. We are called to pray for revival Amen. in the midst of that wicked culture. Amen. And how long did the famine last? How long? Yeah. Three and a half years. Okay. So you know, when, I, when God was giving me this revelation about Elijah's day, I, you know, I, I was looking at it. I see Baal. I see Jezebel. I see where it, the, the pandemic that was there. And so I said, could it be that this pandemic will follow the pattern of the days of Elijah? And so I looked up, when did the COVID pandemic start? It started officially in March, but when COVID was released, it was in December of 2019. And as I was looking at this, I realized that it was going to have to end. If it was following it exactly, it would end in May of 2023 that would be three and a half years to the exact month you do it december to may six months three and a half years and sure enough when did the covid pandemic officially end it ended in may of 2023 three and a half years to the exact month why because we are in the days of elijah and so what are we supposed to be doing we're supposed to be praying for the reign of god we're supposed to be praying for revival and guess what's going to happen god is going to answer us because the bible says his ear is not heavy that it cannot hear his hand is not short 
that it cannot save. The eye of the Lord is on the righteous and his ear is open unto their prayer. This is not the time to be discouraged. This is the time to contend for the power of God because God is looking for a remnant. God is looking for a people that like Elijah will stand in the midst of a wicked culture and that will say, Lord, here I am. Use me. And I believe you're going to be God's vessel. You will not be overcome by the darkness. This is your time to arise and to shine for your light has come and the glory of the Lord is risen upon you. Come shout to God. Glory to God. These are the days of Elijah. So see, now you sing, you see it a little differently, don't you? You see it a little bit differently. Hallelujah. And then what did Elijah do? He prayed for fire to come down. And he said, may the God that answers by fire, let him be God. And so what does that mean? It means there's going to be a showdown. It means that God wants to empower you to be able to demonstrate his power. On the day of Pentecost, what appeared over the heads of the disciples? Acts 2 4. Tongues of fire. Why? Because the God that consumed that sacrifice in Elijah's day, he was the one empowering the disciples to fulfill the book of Acts. To live out the book of Acts. What does that mean? In the end times, the book of Acts, it was not there to be a good history read. Oh, look at what God did 2,000 years ago. As if we serve a dead God. No, that was there as a blueprint to show us how God wants to use His people in these last days. We're not going to be an emaciated church. This is time for the church of the book of Acts to rise up. Where is the Apostle Paul of today? Where are the Peters and the Johns? I believe I'm looking at some of them right here tonight. Whether you're young, whether you're old, this is your time to shine. Amen. I believe God wants to put His fire on you tonight. What do you say? I don't know about you, but I want the fire of God. I want the fire. You know what Jesus said to the church of Laodicea? I wish you would buy gold from me. Gold that has been purified by the fire. I don't want what the world has to offer. I don't want the pleasures of sin that are here for a moment and that put you in bondage and send you to hell. I want the fire of God on my life. And I know that you want it too. What will happen when God puts his fire on you? Number one, he'll make you bold. Someone say bold. Elijah was bold. Elijah confronted the king. Elijah confronted the prophets of Baal. Elijah was very bold. John the Baptist, who came in the... Where's my Bible? Back. I don't need it. The spirit of... Wait. Okay. Oh, man. Why are you thirsty? You have done it. Okay. Watch this. It's the, the... John the Baptist. Who... A long time ago, pick on my dad while I'm preaching, because I know he can't do nothing to me. Ah. Like, hey, I'm preaching. You can't, you can't touch me. <laughs> Wait till we get home. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. Elijah was bold. John the Baptist, who came in the power of Elijah, he was also bold. Yeah. He confronted the king. It's sin what you're doing. 
That takes boldness. In those days, there was, you know, they chop your head right off. And he did get his head chopped off. Okay, I'm not saying that's going to happen to you. Now you're like, oh, I'm not that excited about Elijah. No, no, no. Don't worry about it, okay? But the thing is this. Elijah was bold. John the Baptist was bold. The fire of God will make you bold. The Bible says in Micah chapter 3, verse 8, I am full of power by the Spirit of the Lord. And I'm filled with justice and strength to boldly declare to Jacob his transgression and to Israel his sin. And so God, the Spirit of God, the Spirit and power of Elijah will make you bold to confront your adversary. Proverbs 28, it's been a verse that's always been coming out of me lately. The wicked run when nobody's chasing them. You know, I got... Anyway, you know, I was I used to be on the radio in Toronto. Okay, I, I probably shouldn't say this. I'm gonna say it. I used to be on the radio in Toronto, and you know what? I, I got to go to the trucker rally and pray on the stage. Francine, is that true? Francine was there with me. All right, David, you were there too. Remember? And so you know, I was I was at the trucker rally and I'm on the radio. So I think I'm. It's okay for me to talk about it, right? Whatever happened to freedom of speech? And so I get on the radio, and I didn't even go into detail with it. I said, guys, on the radio in Toronto, I said, let me tell you a scripture. Tell me who this reminds you of. The wicked run when nobody's chasing them. You know, the prime minister. And you know what they did? You know what they did? They took me off the air. You know what that is? Jezebel, trying to silence the voice of the prophets. And so watch this. The wicked run... When nobody's chasing them. That's why I don't do jogging. Amen. No. The wicked run when no one's chasing them. But the righteous. Someone say, that's me. That's me. The righteous are bold like lions. Hallelujah. Somebody say, yeah, but I I, I don't. What what if people don't like me? What if people speak evil against me? But you know, I like a a quote that I heard a minister say one time. You know what he said? The more I see what the world thinks is normal, the less I care what they think is crazy. At least you know what gender you are. Can you say amen? And so don't be intimidated when the world mocks you. Jesus said when the world speaks evil about you, remember that they persecuted and spoke evil of the prophets. Ahab said to, to Elijah, you are the one who has been troubling Israel. But guess what? He said, I'm not the one troubling Israel. You're the one that has been troubling Israel. Let me tell you something. The Bible says we are the salt and the light of the world. And so don't get intimidated when the world speaks against you. I remember one time I was in Rwanda. Let me take another zip, sorry. I remember when I was in Rwanda. The Lord said to me, I want you to do a video. This is during the month of June. I think you know what I'm getting at here. June, yeah. Pride month, okay. So the Lord says, I want you to do a video and I want you to speak about what the Bible says about homosexuality. Now let me just say something. You know, we're, we're not against people. We love people. But you know what the Bible says? Open rebuke is better than secret love. If you see someone walking to a ditch, you don't say, yeah, yeah, keep going, keep going. You say, you warned them, right? And so all I was doing was trying to obey what God put on my heart. And so I spoke against that. 
But you want to know something? Before I did the video, I saw in my spirit Jezebel. Jezebel. And so I knew that there was going to be a pushback. Why? Because I'm stepping on the spirit of Jezebel's toes. Sure enough, you want to know what happened? I do this video. Almost went viral. I mean, it got a humongous response. But one of my own family members, not someone on the street, not someone I don't know, a cousin that I like grew up with. You know what they said to me? Blank you. You fill in the blank. I'm not filling that in. But you know, just coming up, you know, blank you, what's wrong? And then uh, other cousins coming up, yeah, and my whole family just coming against me. But can I tell you something? The Bible says we cannot do anything against the truth, only for the truth. The Bible says, let every man be a liar and let God be true. And I pray that today God would give you a holy boldness not to care about what people think. The Bible says we are not to be the pleasers of man. We are to be the pleasers of God. And when God smiles on you, He'll put His favor on your life. He'll give you the coat of many colors and even the heathen will see and know that you are blessed by the most high receive that boldness tonight in the name of Jesus the fire of God will make you bold the fire of God will give you power remember the spirit of Elijah is a spirit of power to do signs and wonders and you want to know something signs and wonders are not just for somebody who's a pastor or an evangelist. Do you know that this is something that the body of Christ is to walk in? Because on the day of Pentecost, it was not just the 12 apostles who got the, that piece of Elijah's mantle. Who got that piece of Jesus' mantle. It was all 120. There were housewives that got the Holy Ghost. There were grannies who got the Holy Ghost. There were old men who got the Holy Ghost. There were young kids who got the Holy Ghost. And so God wants to empower you to do signs and wonders. So that when someone comes up to you and they say, you know, I've been, I've been going through a lot lately. Instead of saying, like most Christians do that don't have power. Instead of saying, oh yeah? You should see what I've been going through. <laughs> when you carry the spirit and power of Elijah, you say, come here, let me pray for you. Amen. And God begins to work. Amen. Can you say amen? amen. Sorry, I got a button that came loose. <laughs> I guess that's nature telling me time to diet. You know what my strategy was? You know what my strategy was? If you can't lose the pot, build around it. But now even that's running out of room. So what do I do? I'll have that last plate of spaghetti and then I'll start. Oh yeah, you think you, you think you have it bad? You should see what I've been going through. That's not how Christians are supposed to talk. We're supposed to carry power to make a difference. You're supposed to walk in joy. We're supposed to walk in peace. And we're supposed to walk in righteousness. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord God Almighty. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Power to set the captives free. Power to lay hands on the sick and watch them recover. Power to do signs, wonders, and miracles. 
we praise you, Lord God Almighty. I just feel, I have more things in my notes, but I just feel like God is moving right now. Why don't you stand to your feet? Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord God Almighty. How many of you are encouraged by this message today? Amen. Praise Hallelujah. These are the days of Elijah. I will send you Elijah before the day of the Lord. And so the greatest days of the church are still ahead of us. And you want to be at the center of God's plan. You want to be at the center of His will. And this is your time to receive power. You are the Elijah of your workplace. You are the Elijah of your family. You are the Elijah wherever God sends you. We're called to follow in the footsteps of these great heroes of faith. And that fire that came down when Elijah prayed, that fire, God wants to put it upon you. That you would be a living sacrifice. That you would be holy and that you would be acceptable. You know, if you're here today and there's some impurities that are still in your life, can I tell you something? The fire of God, please, just, yes, don't, try not to move too much anymore. The, the power of God will purge you from your iniquity. Isaiah the prophet had a vision and he was in the Holy of Holies where God's glory and presence were. And he said, Lord, I'm a man of unclean lips. And the scripture says the angel took coal from off the altar and he touched his lips and he said, this day I have purged you from your iniquities. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, it says, speaking of evil men, it says, anyone who does these things will not enter the kingdom of God. But it says, such were some of you, but you have been washed, you have been justified, you have been sanctified by the name of Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. The same Spirit who purged Isaiah is the same Spirit that will purge you and you will be a holy vessel for God. In Proverbs 25 it says, remove the dross from the silver and you will have a vessel for the fire. Pours his power through. You don't have to live an ordinary Christian life. You don't have to be some religious person that goes to church and doesn't see anything. You can press in. You can be of the remnant. Instead of having one foot in the world and one foot in the kingdom, you can give yourself fully over to God. Seek Him with all of your heart and be God's remnant for these end times. God is looking for a people to whom He could show Himself strong. And my prayer is that here at Second Chance Cafe, that even though we are a small remnant, that God would find a people here whom He will raise up for such a time as this. Lift your hands, let me pray for you right now. Let me pray for you. Thank you, Lord. Just stay right there. Thank you, Lord. Father, in the mighty name of Jesus, I just, I just pray for every single person that is here tonight. Lord, we see that we are truly living in the days of Elijah. 
But Father, may we rise up as the remnant. And Father, I pray that you would send your rain right now. That you would pour out the latter rain of the Spirit in these last days. Lord, that you would pour that latter rain upon us in the name of Jesus. Lord, that you would consume us with the fire of your glory. Lord, that you would rest upon us. That you would show yourself strong on our behalf. Lord, let your fire fall tonight in the name of Jesus. Father, may we not leave the same way we came in. May we leave with the fire of God in the name of Jesus. Let the fire of God begin to fall right now in Jesus' mighty name. Receive the anointing. Receive the Spirit. Receive the power of Elijah to follow Jesus in these last days. Receive that anointing. Receive that power. I see the Lord touching some of you right now. Come on, just receive that right now. This is your time. In Jesus' precious name. In Jesus' mighty name. Receive that fire. Receive that boldness. Receive the faith to do signs, wonders, and miracles. Receive that touch of God you, on your life. Thank you, Lord. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Listen, just worship the Lord right now with your hands lifted. I'm going to walk around. I'm going to lay my hands on you. And God's going to touch you. In Jesus' mighty name. Let me start with you. Just receive. Receive that fire in Jesus' mighty name. Receive the fire of God. Receive the fire of God. Receive the fire of God.
You'll be totally healed in Jesus' name. Receive healing in your lung today. Jesus. Jesus. Thank you. 